I'm joined today by Gus Warren, the COO and founding member of Disconnect Me. Thanks for joining me, Gus. Nice to be here. Can you tell me a little bit about your background, please? Sure. So um, I've spent the last 20 years um, in the Internet, uh, both on the uh, startup side and the investment side. Um, so was involved in two early stage companies right out of college. I uh, jumped over to the um, venture capital side of the world for about eight years. And uh, for the last eight years or so, I've been back on the operating side. Uh, all the startups have been um, related in one way or another to uh, advertising. Um, and uh, Disconnect uh, is obviously my most recent startup. Uh, I joined the company about uh, 20 months ago. And can you tell me a little bit about Disconnect? Sure thing. So we make uh, consumer privacy software, uh, the highest rated consumer privacy software on the market today. Um, we have a vision that uh, a lot of the things that you do online today, uh, whether it's browsing, searching, calendar, directions, maps, contacts, etc., um, could be offered uh, on a uh, rather than an ad supported data mined basis, a uh, uh, a paid private. Uh, basis, and so we're building towards that. We have a um, we have a software suite that's uh, coming out in mid-November that will basically combine all of the things that we do uh, across all of your devices. So a single product that'll work across Mac, PC, iOS, Android, um, and protect your privacy. When you say ad supported and data mined, what do you mean? So as you know, the primary uh, business model online today uh, is um, advertising. So there's there's not a lot of services out there that are sort of paid subscription services, and so as a result of that, you've got a lot of uh, services out there that are that are uh, paid for by advertising. Um, advertising on the internet is actually quite different than advertising in newspapers and magazines and on TV and radio, uh, in that uh, the the advertisers uh, and the publishers uh, know a lot more about each of us uh, on the internet than they do. Uh, and many of those other mediums. And obviously there has been a lot of concern over the last few years about the ability to track us and the ads are able to follow you from one site to another. Can you explain a little bit how that works? Sure. So exactly. I mean, one of the phenomena of the last, uh, call it really five or plus years now, um, has been the emergence of these third party uh, ad networks and ad exchanges, um, which effectively uh, work across multiple sites uh, and serve ads uh, across hundreds, sometimes thousands of, uh, of sites. And um, because of the nature of, of uh, the way that they operate, uh, they can they can track you across different sites. So uh, and they do that using usually cookies, but there are a variety of different uh, tracking mechanisms uh, out there today. Aside from the cookie, what else do they use? So there's pixels, there's device fingerprinting. Um, those are probably the the top three. Can you tell me a little bit more about how this fingerprinting works? Sure. So it turns out that um, each of our devices um, creates a very unique fingerprint based off of uh, the type of software that's on the device, uh, the plugins, um, the settings, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and that so you know some some um, you know enterprising. Um, uh, Third-party tracker companies have have decided to to use device fingerprinting uh, as a means to identify a user versus a cookie or or IP address or that sort of thing. Um, and the nice thing is, is the, the the way that our software works 
you know, we block all that irrespective of whether it's a cookie, uh, a pixel, device fingerprinting, the IP address, uh, et cetera. How do you block it? So we block it at the network request level. Oh, so it, uh, it would be, but what if it's if it's being run from the site that you actually want to visit, though? If, let's say, the New York Times happens to have that technology installed. Well, so that would be another example where it would be a first-party relationship, mm-hmm. right? So the, the consumer is going to the New York Times. They understand they're going to the New York Times. They understand um, that ads will be coming from the New York Times, that the New York Times may need to um, keep track of what they're doing on the site for any number of reasons, uh, including, you know, keeping them logged in um, uh, or, you know, in an example of Amazon, uh, keeping a shopping cart um, uh, up to date, things like that. So we wouldn't we wouldn't touch any of those first party um, relationships, even if they were using something like device fingerprinting. But couldn't that become a problem, though, if, let's say, the New York Times is fingerprinting you and then selling their information to a third party and then you were going to CNN and they were fingerprinting you and getting that information from the third party, the two fingerprints would match up. Yeah, and actually, so I'm glad you brought that up. That's one of the reasons we did the Privacy Icons um, product because what that what that product shows you is, is the New York Times going to sell that data or not? Um, and, 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 and are you at risk that the New York Times could sell information about your device or your IP address or anything else to, uh, to third parties? That's why we think that product is, uh, is so important. Um, transparency here. So, you know, it all comes, to us, it all comes down to transparency and control, right? The consumers should be very, should be, it should be very clear to the consumer what's going on uh, with their personal information, and they should have control over how that information is used. Um, that's sort of the underpinning everything we do. How do you determine what kind of a privacy icon to give these sites? So we um, we created uh, the Privacy Icons product in partnership with uh, Trustee. Um, so Trustee is one of the leading privacy certification companies um, in the world, uh, the leading, actually, I should say, and um, and they have a, a process for analyzing the privacy policies of um, you know the top thousands of, of websites out there. Um, and so we use that information to, uh, to uh, inform our icons. I, but being an engineer, um, I know that having a policy is one thing and what you actually do might be something different. Does this trustee company actually get in to look at the code and the servers and what's being logged? They do. And that's actually one of the things that is part of their certification process. So they, they not only you know look at the, what the privacy policy says, but they also... Um, look to see, you know, are the sites walking the walk, not just talking the talk. So aside from, let's say, the, the financial aspect of selling your information, are there other purposes for gathering this information about what we do and the sites we visit? Sure. So, I mean, um, I mean, the principal uh, reason for doing all this is to make sure that they um, deliver more targeted ads uh, to you. But the the thing that's happened really over the last few years, and I think what is most alarming, is that um, uh, these companies now are taking this online activity, which, by the way, can be incredibly detailed and personal, all the websites you visit, the searches you do, et cetera, et cetera, and marrying that to offline data, um, which, you know, can be uh, associated with your your real name, your real, your home address, um, and and so no longer is this sort of just the realm of, you know, fully anonymous online activity. It's actually now being tied to your real name and, and um, offline identity. 
And, you know, I think that's where people really um, get very concerned and, and, and want to draw a line. Do you think that there is or has been an increase in public awareness over the last few years? No question about it. Um, I mean, I think, you know, obviously Edward Snowden and, and, and his revelations um, put the whole concept of, of digital data and digital privacy um, into the mainstream uh, discussion over the last 18 months. Uh, but even without that, I think there's just been sort of this steady drumbeat of press um, starting to cover this issue. Because the thing is, you know, it, it, we would never put up with this in the offline world, right? Imagine this, right? So imagine you're at a mall and you're shopping and you're going from one store to another and there's an army of, you know, people in white lab coats taking notes on everything that you do, right? I mean, we would never put up with that. We would never put up with, you know, the postman opening your mail and, and reading it so it could target ads to you. Uh, we would never put up with people coming into our house and looking through our photo albums and our calendars. And yet somehow we've, we've, just uh, uh, sort of conceded to this activity online. Um, and I think people are starting to wake up and realize that it's not a good idea. I've had engineering friends of mine, so really you know, technically savvy people, saying, well, I've got nothing to hide. Why do I mind? It's a great question. One of the, one of we've thought about potentially using, um, you know, a tagline like privacy, a tagline that says uh, privacy matters even if you have nothing to hide, uh, because it really does. So, the larger your digital footprint, even if you've got nothing to hide, um, the, the the greater chance you are of being part of a data breach and getting caught up in a data breach uh, by hackers. The greater chance you are have of uh, identity theft. Uh, there's a serious risk of uh, malware being distributed through these third-party ad, ad networks now. Um, that you know, even if you've got nothing to hide, you could be. Um, uh, susceptible to malware getting onto your computer through these third-party networks. So there are all sorts of reasons why um, your privacy does matter, even if you have, uh, you know, even if you, even if you can live your entire life on the, you know, as, as like the headlines on on the cover of the New York Times, right? And you've got nothing to be ashamed of, nothing to hide. Privacy still definitely matters. So Firefox and Chrome have these private tabs or incognito tabs. Why isn't that enough? So, you know, if you're, <laughs> um, I've become more and more of a cynic about this stuff. So, um, they call those things, you know, incognito, um, and it gives the appearance that it's sort of masking everything that you're doing, right? It sort of it makes you think that, oh, okay, so I'm completely private. I'm, I'm, no one's following me or anything else. Well, it turns out that's not true. All that the incognito mode, uh, mode does, um, in, uh, in Chrome is basically erase your cookie, erase your, your uh, browser history when you shut the browser, when you close the browser. Um, and so other people on that computer can't see what you've been doing. It does absolutely nothing to stop third-party trackers or people, you know, uh, on the Internet from following you around. But is it fair to say, though, that the cookies uh, from your regular tab aren't visible in your incognito tab, so it might be harder to link you to that same character? Yes, that that is true. But again, you know, the the tracking methodologies now that are being used are super sophisticated. So, even with uh, a very little amount of of uh, a browsing activity, um, you know, you, you, it's possible you could back into to who, who to the device. And of course, your IP address is still known, and your ISP still sees every page you go to. Yep, exactly. So, what are the solutions available? Sure. So. Um, 
I mean, so our privacy uh, suite covers a variety of different um, uh, features. Uh, the first one is safe browsing, and um, the way that works is uh, we basically have a filter list of these known third-party um, services that either invisibly track you or are known to be potential sources of malware. And if we see your device trying to access any of those third-party filters, uh, third-party um, services um, on our filter list, uh, we just automatically block that uh, network request. So it works at the at the network request level. So is, uh, that, is this a piece of software you install, or is it part of the, is it a browser plugin? It's right now. It's a uh, it's a browser plugin. Uh, this new software suite that's coming out uh, in mid November will actually be desktop software that works across your entire um, all all your browsers. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to to derail you there. No, no, not at all. Um, so that's how the that's how the uh, the safe browsing product works. Um, we also have an anonymous search product, which uh, basically proxies all your queries um, to Google, Bing, Yahoo, whatever your favorite search engine is. So it allows you to get results back from your favorite search engine, but um, not uh, have those queries uh, tied in any way to uh, to your IP address. And it, what's interesting is that it works even if you're logged into Chrome, even if you're logged into your Google ID. We can still uh, keep your queries uh, completely anonymous, and it's a, a full proxying, or it's it, it goes to a, th- a third party computer. It could, it's a it's a it's a way to think about it as either a narrow VPN or a proxy. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very good. Sorry. Go ahead. And uh, we have a um, a third product uh, which we call Privacy Icons, which is um, a really neat little feature of, of of the of the suite. It basically allows you to. Uh, just with a glance, understand the privacy policies of uh, thousands of websites. So um, we tell you what the privacy. You know, we tell you if the if the site is um, going to uh, retain your data, how long they're going to retain your data, what they're going to do with the data. Do they adhere to uh, DNT? Do they adhere to you know COPPA? All these sorts of uh, of things. And so it gives you a little bit more transparency into exactly what these sites are doing with your data. And then I'm, I've been using the tool, just, it's titled Disconnect. Uh, is that the correct name, the one where it will block the advertising, block the analytics, block social and all that? Yeah, exactly. And it's important to note, um, you know, you, you said we block advertising there. We do block, we, that's one of certain the Certain ads, things. excuse me. Yeah, we, yeah, certain ads, exactly. So it's very important to note that um, we do not block any first-party advertising at all. So as an example, if, you know, the New York Times sells an ad, um to Tommy Hilfiger, and that ad is being served up uh, through the New York Times servers. Um, we don't block that ad, and the reason for that is because we, we we believe there's an, an understanding on the user's part that when they go to the New York Times, um, there are going to be ads there, and the ads actually help subsidize the New York Times site, um, just like they subsidize you know the paper when you open the paper and see the you know see it in in, in hard copy. Um, what, what there's not an understanding of and what we do block is all these invisible third party advertisers, um, that can be on the New York times and other sites, um, and, and invisibly track people. And, and that's so, so we make a, it's very, it's a very important distinction. So when people sort of lump us together with ad blockers, um, we really take exception to that because we don't consider ourselves an ad blocker at all. We consider ourselves uh, a privacy software suite that happens to block advertising when that advertising either invisibly tracks you um, or is uh, a known source of malware. 
one of the very impressive and scary things about that plugin is the sort of squeal um, and spokes of all the sites that you're blocking that are attempting to track me. Right. It is amazing. And we were actually, we were on 60 minutes earlier this year and that's, that's the thing that they were really, um, I think, um, intrigued by. So yeah, one of the things in, in the, in the software is it, it visualizes all these things that are trying to, to track you. Um, and you know, on most sites, it's dozens of trackers, uh, in some cases over a hundred. Yeah. I've and that's seen really, sites with just, I, I think the whole thing just got slow because it was trying to arrange so much graphics into a small space. Yes, exactly. It's really, it is, uh, it's very, it's eye opening to a lot of people when they realize what's going on. Um, and so, you know, that's another thing that's happened over the last 18 months, I think, is that the, the you know, there's the awareness of this issue, you know, it's not a mainstream market yet, I would say. I mean, we've got 3 million users now. Uh, we're adding about uh, 400,000 a month. Um, but, uh, you know, it, the awareness is definitely getting out there. Um, and, and things like that visualization tool definitely help. But it seems that this is a massively growing market and that as time goes on, your popularity will probably increase because, I know you're not an ad blocker, but I see ad blockers being used enormously now. Uh, they're by far the most popular add-ons on Chrome and Firefox, right. and Ghostery as well. Uh, Ghostery would be a, a more similar tool to your own tool. Is that a fair comment? To the private browsing component of what we do, absolutely. Ghostery is probably our, our most direct uh, competitor. Um, they have a very different business model than we do. Um, in that, so we're 100% focused on the consumer. Right. And, and all of our revenue, uh, comes from, uh, consumers. Um, Ghostry actually, their business model is slightly, not slightly, it's quite different. Um, they make all their money on the publisher and advertiser side. So they actually use, um, a subset of their, of their customers of the, of the, of the, of the plugin to uh, create a panel, which then feeds data back to their software that uh, they sell to, uh, enterprises, publishers and advertisers. So it's kind of a it's sort of a counterintuitive business model for um, you know a company that purports to be sort of protecting your privacy. What do you think the impact will be on companies like let's say the New York Times as they're using you and other people's tools and they start seeing ads being blocked? Sure. So <clears throat> uh, we're in active conversations with um, a lot of big publishers, and you know I think there's no question that. Ad blocking, and by that I mean not what we do, but the, the true ad blockers, is starting to have an effect, right? Um, and it's it's been growing um, exponentially, basically over the last several years. There's now well over 100 million people using ad blockers, um, and I think there's there's no I, the, our 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 issue with with the way that those tools work is that it's a fairly blunt instrument. Right. It basically blocks all ads irrespective of where they came from, um, whether there's any sort of risk to them, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it's not clear sort of what the positive business model is um, in those in those uh, with, with those platforms. Um, we believe very strongly that you can give the consumer anonymity and the privacy and, and, and control and actually have ads that are even more targeted and uh, make publishers more money. Uh, we think that, you know, this sort of false choice that's been presented that either you can protect consumers' privacy or you can have a sustainable business model um, is, is exactly that. That's a false choice. So how do you make something more targeted and yet anonymous? Right. So um, 
part of our our vision for uh, where our software suite goes um, is something we call private advertising, where or you can, another way of thinking about it is uh, re- reconnect, where consumers basically um, opt in uh, on their own terms um, to uh, sh- to sharing their data if when when and how uh, they want to. Um, and we have not built that product yet, um, but that is uh, that's certainly that's that's where we're headed. And the way that you can think about it is almost like a reverse proxy, um, where we would protect the consumer's anonymity, uh, but we would also ensure that the ads that they were seeing um, on, on the publisher sites were uh, were highly targeted and relevant to them. Would that then mean that you know something more about that customer than the, the target site? No. In fact, the way that we're planning to do it. Um, uh, the the data that, that that is used for that targeting would be entirely in the consumer's control. Okay, so it would be some sort of communication between them through your proxy to the ad exchange to get the relevant thing, but no one keeps anything except the consumer? Yeah, and exactly. So you think about it today, right? I mean, um, you know, if you listen to the radio, right, that advertising doesn't know a thing about me, right, except what it might potentially glean from some panel information from Arbitron. You know, broadcast television knows very, very little about me, except for what they can get from, you know, the Nielsen panels. Newspapers, magazines, billboards, I mean, all of these ad mediums, which have been extraordinarily successful, by the way, right, don't know anything about me. And yet, on the internet, they know everything about me, (laughs) right? Um, And so it's almost like we've sort of gotten a raw deal, because we're still, we still have to to uh, you know, um, uh, we still have to see ads, right, and consume ads in order to get the free content online. But unlike all these other mediums, they know everything about us, um, and so it's just—it's almost like the economic relationship um, has has really changed. There seems to be a bit of a, a shift in the market as well. Like uh, I know you have a relationship with PageFair and Sean Blanchfield. And their company seems to be trying to fill in a niche where people who want to block ads but are willing to accept unobtrusive ads get displayed. Do you see yourself as being part of the, I, suppose, I, I, you, I, I presume you see yourself as being part of the, the market where people are consenting in future to some degree in order to support free content? Absolutely. And we're, so let me just clarify, we, we do not have, I mean, we, we've had a lot of conversations with Sean and with Page Fair. Um, and we like what they're what they're doing a lot, uh, and we like him a lot. Um, but we have uh, we don't have any sort of formal partnership in place with them. Um, My apologies, I, I, I meant you you knew him in a yes, personal yes, sense. Apologies. That's okay. um, so it's, it's, it's all it's fine. Um, but to answer your question, yes, we believe um, that that our our software can play a role um, in actually making uh, you know online advertising and digital advertising sustainable. Right uh, and trusted, um, and something that can last for decades. I mean, you know, we are firm believers in uh, the importance of advertising to um, keep the vast majority of internet services uh, free and available to everybody. Um, we just, you know, take issue when sort of the ad infrastructure that's been put in place uh, puts people's privacy and security at risk, um, and that's that's what we're looking to solve. Can you talk a little bit about how the various technologies you use work? 
Sure. So, um, as I said before, the, the, the safe browsing product, the one that you uh, currently have in your, um, your browser there and the one that will very soon be available, uh, as a desktop and mobile product, um, basically looks at network requests. And if we see a network request to, um, any of the third party services that are on our filter list, we automatically block that network request. Now, what's interesting about that is that not only does it provide, you know, obviously um, added privacy and security, but it turns out that it can really improve performance, too. So on the web, we see page load times uh, up to 25 percent faster um, and bandwidth consumption that can be reduced by as much as 15 percent in mobile. We're benchmarking right now, but we think the numbers are going to be even higher. So uh, because we work at the network request level, we do have that added benefit. The other thing that, that, that working at the network request level does is that it, um, it makes us agnostic to the type of tracking technology that people are using. So whether it's cookies, IP addresses, pixels, device fingerprinting, um, you know, our stuff blocks all that. I just had a look. I just, as you were talking, I loaded up the, uh, the front page of the New York Times with uh, your tool installed, and it's giving me a 21% faster load and a 13% save on data, nice. and and those kind of things. You know, they're it's fine if you're in your office or you're at home and you've got your fiber connection, but if you've got a marginal connection or as you move to mobile, you don't really want another 250 kilobytes or megabyte of ads coming down the line. Yeah, well, especially when you're paying for it, right? I mean, yeah. these data plans now. Um, you know, every every uh, every meg counts, right? So, in mobile especially. So, yeah, no, we agree. We think we definitely think that's a big component. And there's even a scenario where we actually decrease battery uh, or, or increase, I should say, battery life, because you know, you're there's a lot, there's just less um, network activity happening. And then, what about your your tool for private searching? Sure. So that basically works as a proxy. So, um, or we or a narrow VPN, uh, where uh, if, when you install the software, um, you can either uh, type your query into our extensions uh, little box or our mobile apps box, um, or we also have a setting where you can actually uh, have it um, uh, work on your uh, your Omnibox, your address bar. Um, and what it does, it allows you to uh, search privately. So you type your query in. Uh, we route the query to Google through our servers. Um, so Google thinks the query is coming from our IP address. Um, you get the results back from Google just like you would otherwise, but Google doesn't know anything about your device. They don't know anything about you. So your queries are not associated in any way with, with, uh, with who you are. Is there a possibility though, that Google could lock, could block you one day and say, right, we're not letting more requests come from you because we know who you are. Yeah, they could for a lot of the, in, um, the way that we've architected the system, I think it would be probably very difficult for them to do that. Um, and also, you know, you got to remember we're we are kind of like a VPN, right? And so um, and that's how that's how we've architected this thing. So you know, I mean, I guess they could do that, but uh, I think there'd be quite an uproar, probably. Plus, as well, it would be a matter of changing IPs or something of that nature. Not trivial, but you know, to be a cat and mouse game. It, and yeah. you are still driving traffic to them. So what difference does it make? Well, I'm glad you brought that up because that's actually a really important point. So again, back to the, this whole business model issue. So search, it turns out, in all the mediums out there, when you compare it to, you know, um, uh, banner ads or TV ads or radio ads or whatever, um, it turns out that search can be an incredibly powerful economic engine and and business model, um, even if it's entirely anonymous. 
So Google was anonymous for the first six years of its life or eight years of its life, right? From 96 to 2004, basically. We were all anonymous to Google, right? And, and, and they still made, you know, boatloads of money because, you know, the vast majority of the value to them is the query itself. Typing in that you're interested in, you know, um, the latest Mercedes Benz, right? Typing in that um, you're in the market for a sofa, right? Not that, um, not necessarily that I'm sitting here in Westchester County and, and everything else. I mean, there's most of the value comes in the query itself. And so um, we think that uh, you're absolutely right. Even anonymous traffic is still going to be incredibly valuable to Google. So it would sort of be, um, we, I, 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 it doesn't make any sense to me why they would block it. But your relationship with Google isn't fantastic with regard to your mobile app. Our mobile app uh, was pulled by Google out of the Play Store uh, about a little over a month ago for the second time, actually. So um, we, were, we were in the Play Store for about five days, and they pulled it. Uh, we made some changes, resubmitted it, um, and then they pulled it again. Uh, and, you know, they have uh, they've, they've publicly stated um, – uh, why they've done that. Um, and we've gone back to them and asked them many different times now, um, how we can change the app to, uh, get, you know, resubmitted and reapproved. Um, and they, they're not talking to us. So how is it that it got in once was banned and then there was a diet, there was a dialogue of some sort and you made appropriate changes. What, what, what had they requested at that point? If you can tell me. So they they actually didn't they didn't respond to us back then either. We just we made some changes, oh, thinking okay. that we, we you know we guessed basically on what you know what what might need to change in order for us to be able to to uh, to stay in after we were resubmitted. And uh, I guess we guessed wrong <laughs> because um, they pulled us pretty quickly. And you know it's interesting. Uh, it, obviously, it's a um, uh, the Play Store is an incredibly powerful platform, right? And Android's an incredibly powerful platform. So having that shut off to us is um, very disconcerting. Um, I will say, though, that, um, you know, we have had a lot of people, uh, you know, very interested in sideloading the product. And so I think you actually have sideloaded it. I've done it, it myself. So. so people are doing that. But, the, you know, the challenge that we have is that it's much harder for the whole transaction process is much harder, Right. You know, the credit card isn't preloaded, so you got to get your, get your credit card out and enter it into your phone, uh, which is a pain in the neck. Um, updates are harder, right? Um, you know, uh, software notes are hard. Everything, all, all of it's harder. And so, um, you know, that's an ongoing discussion with them um, with, with, uh, with our mobile app. And uh, I hope they come around. We'll see. But at the moment, um, you can install Disconnect Mobile for free to trial it and then make a donation if you want to. Is that correct? So on, um, on Android, that's, that's exactly right. Um, and on iOS, it's, it's, uh, the same protections. Um, the basic, uh, privacy protections are uh, free. And if you want the sort of premium protections, uh, it's a $10 one time uh, fee. What are the differences between the, the free and the premium? Uh, it's just the type of um, the the amount of blocking basically that uh, that we offer, um, and that's also you know 
that will change a little bit when we release our next version of the product uh, in mid-November. Um, but for now, it's it's sort of just a different um, amount. It's just it's sort of the size of the filter list. Have you seen the advertising industry or the tracking industry respond to your tools and tools like yours and try to find ways of getting around your filters? Uh, not us, no. I think we've certainly um, seen the, average, the, the publishing industry um, try to respond to the ad blockers. Uh, and, you know, you brought up PageFair before. There have been a couple other companies that uh, in the past that have offered sort of similar things to what Sean's building, not as sophisticated as what he's building. Um, and I suspect that, you know, more and more publishers are going to, um, you know, uh, take tools like PageFair and, and, and roll them out. But is it, would it be something that would be feasible for these companies to do to try to defeat these tool, your, your tools and other tools like you? So um, <clears throat> with regards to um, blocking of the ad blockers, um, you know, that's something that, that, I mean, that's a better question for Sean than for me. Um, it appears to be something that would be a bit of a cat and mouse mm-hmm. game, as you said. Um, they, it sounds like they have come up with an approach that uh, um, it makes it less of a cat and mouse game. Um, and, and I think that's one of the reasons the publishers are so attracted, by it, attracted to it. Um, we have not had anybody, um, you know, uh, any publishers suggest that they were going to try and block what we're doing. And actually, you know, one of the things we're talking with, I mean, we're talking with publishers about potentially distributing what we're doing, um, which maybe is a bit counterintuitive, but, uh, you know, again, we think we're on the right side of the argument in terms of, we don't, we don't block any first party ads. Uh, we only block these nefarious third party um, invisible trackers and, and malware distributors. And um, for a lot of different reasons, we think publishers could really benefit by distributing Disconnect. What do you see the future of the tracking industry as? Something where they're going to try to comply with what people want or just keep forcing them to be tracked? You know, I really hope that something like DNT, um, you know, takes hold. I mean, we have we have a standing publicly, you know, public policy it says if you know if you adhere to uh, the Electronic Frontier Foundation's uh, DNT standard, right, um, then you'll, we'll take you off our filter list, right? Um, and I think you know we need something like that. And the problem is it's been you know it's been years now um, that DNT's been talked about uh, with this sort of self-regulatory uh, approach. And um, I think we need to I think as an industry we need to get behind something. Um, I'm not convinced that, that, you know, um, the government is going to do something if we don't, uh, but I still think we need to do something as, as, as an industry. And that's, listen, that's one of the reasons we're, we've, we've structured our software the way we have is that we, you know, part of this is to help force the issue and, um, hopefully we'll be successful in doing that. There is, um, obviously if, if everyone was to use your tool, the likes of the analytics industries would get into serious trouble pretty quickly, I think. And again, uh, if they adhere to uh, the the DNT standard, then um, you know I think we not I think we, we would be fine with them as well. Um, but at some point, you know, someone's got to someone's got to be the voice of the consumer here, right? There are a lot of people out there that don't like this idea of being tracked and followed uh, around. And um, you know, if the industry's not going to do it on a self-regulatory basis and the government's not going to do it, then the market's got to do it. And, you know, our hope is that these 400,000 people that are 
you know, downloading our software every month, um, you know, over time become a large, you know, a loud enough voice that it really forces some change. How are you getting word out there about your suite of tools? Sure. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, we uh, have been really um, pleasantly surprised at the amount of word of mouth um, that is happening uh, about our product. So uh, all 3 million of our current users and you know all 400,000 of the new users that are downloading our stuff monthly – they're all finding out about us through, you know, friends and family. We are not doing any customer acquisition marketing at all, um, which is obviously really exciting. Um, we've been in the press a lot, obviously, um, for because the, the the topic is so um, sort of in the air today. But um, uh, we have not done any sort of active uh, marketing ourselves. Um, the other thing we're doing is um, distribution partnerships. So we just recently announced a deal with uh, Deutsche Telekom. Uh, last month in September, uh, where they're going to be promoting us to um, their user base, uh, initially in Germany, and then uh, roll out from there. Uh, we have a, uh, a partnership with Blackphone, which is uh, the world's first lockdown privacy phone. It's basically a forked version of Android um, that has uh, a lot of um, encryption embedded into the hardware and everything else. And we're the, we're the default uh, VPN on that phone as well as the default search engine. And so we're very excited about that partnership too. And I think you'll hear, um, you know, more partnerships, uh, from us in, in the months ahead. Some of the, I've heard from Sean that some of the ad blocking companies are considering building browsers of their own. Is that something that you've considered? You know, we've talked about it. Um, we're, but the, the short answer is we're not planning on it. Um, you know, our product design approach is really predicated on this idea that, you know, Everyone says they care about privacy until uh, it's you know until you ask them to do something inconvenient or change their behavior. Um, and so, rather than ask someone to change their browser, we put a lightweight layer of privacy on top of their existing browser. Rather than ask someone to change their search engine, we put a layer of privacy on their existing search engine. I think you'll see us do um, you know continue to do that. I think. What do you see as the future work for Disconnect Me? So listen, we have this sort of, I mean, you know, it's a little um, uh, maybe um, overly ambitious for us to say something like this, but uh, as, as a relatively small company. But fundamentally, we think that um, all the applications that you use today online, whether it's, you know, browsing, search, email, messaging, calendar, maps, contacts, uh, we think there's room out there for a company to basically create a private alternative for all of that. Um, and, you know, if we're successful, um, I think that's what we want to go do. Very good. Gus Warren, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate it. And the dense fog is densest.
Music, as always, is The Return by NEC23 from the album 11 and 12, and the closing music was Broken Turntables by No Color from the album Lobe. <laughs> 